0: you very much for tuning in once again and uh, as you know this week our theme is on the Himalayas and we are discussing different books and writings on the Himalayas, the mountains and uh, today I've got a book with me which was written by Swami Vivekananda I'm sure you'll be familiar with the name, he was a Hindu monk and a philosopher and especially his commentaries and philosophy on the idea of non-dualism, I think that's the most important aspect of his teachings. So if you can get some time to read some of his writings, his teachings, I'm sure you'll learn a great deal about the philosophy of Hinduism, particularly the non-dualism aspect of it. Also, his commentaries on various other ancient texts such as the Bhagavad Gita, they are also quite valuable. And uh, whenever you can get some time, please check out his writings. So how does that connect with the theme of the Himalayas? So the autobiography that I have with me, it's called Swami Vivekananda on Himself. In that autobiography, he talks about his travels in different parts of India. He was a monk, he was wandering in different, different parts of India. And uh, in during those travels, He spends a lot of time in the Himalayas as well, which is quite obvious. A lot of spiritual seekers, monks, ever since the ancient times, they've been doing that. And uh, he spent a number of years wandering in the mountains as well. So it is from that section of the book that I'm going to narrate a few passages today. And... uh, I hope you'll enjoy that. So without any delay, let me start narrating what he wrote about his travel experiences in the Himalayas. Here we go. I was once traveling in the Himalayas and the long road stretched before us. We poor monks cannot get anyone to carry us. So we had to make all the way on foot. There was an old man with us. The way goes up and down for hundreds of miles. And when that old monk saw what was before him, he said, Oh, sir, how to cross it? I cannot walk anymore. My chest will break. And I said to him, Look down at your feet. He did so and I said, The road that is under your feet is the same road that you have passed over and is the same road that you see before you. It will soon be under your feet. The highest things are under your feet because you are divine stars. All these things are under your feet. You can swallow the stars by the handful if you want. Such is your real nature. Be strong, get beyond all superstitions and be free. Many times I have been in the jaws of death, starving, footsore and weary. For days and days I had no food and often would, could walk no further. I would sink down under a tree and life would seem to be ebbing away. I could not speak, I could scarcely think. But at last the mind reverted to the idea. I have no fear nor death. I never hunger nor thirst. I am it, I am it. The whole of nature cannot crush me. It is my servant assert your strength your lord of lords and god of gods regain your lost empire rise and walk and stop not and i would rise up and here i am living today thus whenever darkness comes assert the reality in everything adverse must vanish. Once when I was in Varanasi, I was passing through a place where there was a large tank of water on one side and a high wall on the other. It was in the grounds where there were many monkeys. The monkeys of Varanasi are huge brutes and are sometimes surly. They now took into their heads not to allow me to pass through their street. So they howled and shrieked and clutched at my feet as I passed. As they pressed closer, I began to run. But the faster I ran, the faster came the monkeys and they began to bite me. It seemed impossible to escape, but just then I met a stranger who called out to me, face the brutes. I turned and faced the monkeys, and they fell back and finally fled. That is a lesson for all life. Face the terrible, face it boldly. Like the monkeys, the hardships of life fall back when we cease to flee before them. Once in Western India, I was traveling in the desert country on the coast of the Indian Ocean. For days and days, I used to travel on foot through the desert. But it was to my surprise that I saw every day beautiful lakes with trees all around them and the shadows of the trees upside down and vibrating there. How wonderful it looks! and they call this a desert country, I said to myself. Nearly a month I travelled, seeing these wonderful lakes and trees and plains. One day, I was very thirsty, and wanted to have a drink of water. So, I started to go to one of those clear, beautiful lakes, and as I approached, it vanished. And with a flash it came to my brain. This is the mirage about which I've read all my life and with that came also the idea that throughout the whole of this month every day I'd been seeing the mirage and did not know it. The next morning I began to march. There was again the lake but with it came also the idea that it was the mirage And not a true lake. And so it is with this universe. We are all traveling in this mirage of the world, day after day, month after month, year after year, not knowing that this is a mirage. One day it will break up. But it will come back again. The body has to remain under the power of past karma. And so the mirage will come back. This world will come back upon us, so long as we are bound by karma. Men, women, animals, plants, our attachments and duties, all will come back to us. But not with the same power. Under the influence of the new knowledge, the strength of karma will be broken. Its poison will be lost. It becomes transformed for along with it there comes the idea that we know it now that this sharp distinction between the reality and the mirage has been known real monasticism is not easy to attain there is no order of life so rigorous as this if you stumble ever so little you're hurled down a precipice and are smashed into pieces One day, I was travelling on foot from Agra to Vrindavan. There was not a farthing with me. I was about a couple of miles from Vrindavan when I found a man smoking on the roadside and I was seized with a desire to smoke. I said to the man, Hello, will you let me have a puff at your chillum? He seemed to be hesitating greatly and said, Sir, I am a sweeper. Well, there was the influence of old samskaras, and I immediately stepped back and resumed my journey without smoking. I had gone a short distance when the thought occurred to me that I was a sannyasin who had renounced caste, family, prestige and everything, and still I drew back as soon as the man gave himself out as a sweeper and could not smoke at the chillum touched by him. The thought made me restless at heart. Then I retraced my steps and came back to the sweeper whom I found still sitting there. I hastened to tell him, Do prepare a chillum of tobacco for me, my dear friend. I paid no heed to his objections and insisted on having it. So the man was compelled to prepare a chillum for me and then I gladly had a puff at it and proceeded to Vrindavan. When one has embraced the monastic life, one has to test whether one has gone beyond the prestige of caste and birth etc. It is so difficult to observe the monastic vow in right earnest. There must not be the slightest divergence between one's words and actions. You find that in every religion mortifications and asceticisms have been practiced. In these religions, conceptions, the Hindus, they always go to the extremes, you will find men with their hands up all their lives, until their hands wither and die. I once saw a man who had kept his hands raised in this way. And I asked him how it felt when he did it first. He said it was awful torture. It was such torture that he had to go to a river and put himself in water and that allayed the pain for a little while. After a month, he did not suffer much. Through such practices, powers can be attained. Once, when traveling in the Himalayas, I had to take my abode for a night in a village of the hill people. Hearing the beating of drums in the village some time after nightfall, I came to know upon inquiring of my host that one of the villagers had been possessed by a god spirit. To meet his importunate wishes and to satisfy my own curiosity, I went out to see what the matter really was. Reaching the spot I found a great concourse of people. A tall man with long bushy hair was pointed out to me and I was told that person had got the God Spirit on him. I noticed an axe being heated in fire close by the man. And after a while, I found the red-hot thing being seized and applied to parts of his body and also to his hair. But, wonder of wonders, no part of his body or hair thus branded with the red-hot axe was found to be burnt. And there was no expression of any pain in his face. I stood mute with surprise the headman of the village meanwhile came up to me and said please exorcise this man out of your mercy i felt myself in a nice fix but moved to do something i had to go near the possessed man once there i felt a strong impulse to examine the axe rather closely but the instant i touched it i burnt my fingers although the thing had been cooled down to blackness. The smarting made me restless and all my theories about the axe phenomenon were spirited away from my mind. However, smarting with the burn, I placed my hand on the head of the man and repeated a few mantras for a short while. It was a matter of surprise to find that the man came round in 10 or 12 minutes. Then, oh, the gushing reverence the villagers showed to me. I was taken to be some wonderful man. But all the same, I couldn't make any head or tail of the whole business. So without a word one way or the other, I returned with my host to his hut. It was about midnight and I went to bed. But. What with the smarting burn in the hand and the impenetrable puzzle of the whole affair, I couldn't have any sleep that night. Thinking of the burning axe, failing to harm living human flesh, it occurred again and again to my mind. There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. But... uh, Sri Ramakrishna he used to disparage such supernatural powers. His teaching was that one cannot attain the supreme truth if the mind is diverted to the manifestation of these powers. The human mind, however, is so weak that not to speak of householders, even 90% of the sadhus happen to be votaries of these powers. In the West, men are lost in wonderment if they come across such miracles. It is only because Sri Ramakrishna has mercifully made us understand the evil of these powers as being hindrances to real spirituality that we are able to take them at their proper value. Once, when I was putting up at Manmatha Babu's place, I dreamt one night that my mother had died my mind became much distracted. Not to speak of corresponding with anybody at home, I used to send no letters in those days even to our math. The dream being disclosed to Manmata, he sent a wire to Calcutta to ascertain facts about the matter. For the dream had made my mind uneasy on the one hand, and on the other, our Madras friends with all arrangements ready were insisting on my departing for America immediately. And I felt rather unwilling to leave before getting any news of my mother. So Manmata, who discerned this state of my mind, suggested our repairing to a man living some way off from town who, having acquired mystic powers over spirits, could tell fortunes and read the past and the future of a man's life. So, at Manmata's request and to get rid of my mental suspense, I agreed to go to this man. Covering the distance, partly by railway and partly on foot, we, four of us, Manmata, Alasinga, myself and another, managed to reach the place. And what met our eyes was a man with a gaulish, haggard, suit black appearance sitting close to a cremation ground. His attendants used some jargon of South Indian dialect to explain to us that this was the man with perfect power over the ghosts. At first, the man took absolutely no notice of us. And then, when we were about to retire from the place, He made a request for us to wait. Our Alasinga was acting as the interpreter and he explained the requests to us. Next, the man commenced drawing some figures with a pencil and presently I found him getting perfectly still in mental concentration. Then he began to give out my name, my genealogy, the history of my long line of forefathers and said that Sri Ramakrishna was keeping close to me all through my wanderings, intimating also to me good news about my mother. He also foretold that I would would have to go very soon to far off lands for preaching religion. Getting good news thus about my mother, we all travelled back to town, and after arrival received by wire from Calcutta the assurance of my mother's doing well. Everything that the man had foretold came to be fulfilled to the letter. Call it some fortuitous concurrence or anything you will. Well, I'm not a fool to believe anything and everything without direct Proof. And coming into this realm of Mahamaya, the many magic mysteries I've come across alongside this bigger magic conjuration of a universe, I think it's Maya. It's all Maya. I used to beg my food from door to door in the Himalayas. Most of the time I spent in the spiritual practices which were rigorous and the food that was available was very coarse and often too was insufficient to appease the hunger. One day I thought that my life was useless. These hill people are very poor themselves. They cannot feed their own children and family properly. Yet they try to save a little for me. Then what is the use of such a life? I stopped going out for food. Two days thus passed without any food. Whenever I was thirsty, I drank the water of the streams using my palms as a cup. And then I entered a deep jungle. There I meditated sitting on a piece of stone. My eyes were open and suddenly I was aware of the presence of a striped tiger of a large size. It looked at me with its shining eyes. I thought, at long last, I shall find peace and this animal will find its food. It's enough that this body will be of some service to this creature. I shut eyes and waited for it. But a few seconds passed and I was not attacked. So I opened my eyes and saw it receding into the forest i was sorry for it and then smiled for i knew it was the master who was saving me till his work be done